Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. And uh, we appreciate Mr. Paul for sharing his testimony uh, with us about um, just how the Lord has been good to him. And so, um, so it's, it's good. It's sweet. And uh, man, it's sweet to be here this morning. So I'm so happy to see all of your faces today. And um, yeah, my heart is just full already, right? And just uh, reflecting on his goodness and um, just how awesome our God is. And you know, and sometimes, you know, the, the saying goes um, that you can't have your cake and eat it too. But, you know, he's a good, good father. And um, numbers two, three, and four in college football lost last night, which helps you avail. Good, good, good father, good father. Yes, Lord. Well, um, yeah, so just excited about a lot of things that's going on. I'm excited about this series and just being able to take a moment and to reflect on God's goodness, which is, in essence, all that we're doing. Uh, we're not trying to introduce some new concept. What we're doing for just this few weeks of this series is we're talking about things that we already know, things that are already familiar with us. Sometimes just in the hustle and bustle of life, it's not that we forget, it's just that we we get preoccupied, right? And I believe that for Christians, our biggest issue is not that we don't know. Our biggest issue is that we live as though we have forgotten. And so sometimes in order to move forward, you have to look back. I know that we've been taught, like, in order to move forward, where he's brought you from. And so uh, this series for the last couple of weeks, the first week we talked about, we're just in Ephesians 2 and how uh, Paul taught us that at one point in time, each and every one of us, listen, you did not wake up saved, believe it or not. That God transformed your heart. You were converted. We were all dead in our trespasses and sin. But, but because of God's love for us, yeah, we are here. We're here. Then last week, man, Matt did a great job just talking and teaching about the mercy, about God's mercy in our lives and just how beautiful that is for us. And since we were once dead in our trespasses and sin and God's love for us came and then, then he showed us his mercy. Today, we want to look at kind of what's the byproduct of that. And, and we just want to go into Ephesians chapter 2 again. Uh, verse 5, we're not even going to deal with the entire verse, just the first five words in verse 5. And it just simply says this, made us alive with Christ. Made us alive with Christ. So today, today, because we're, you know, a pretty intelligent congregation, I want to start today with a question, and uh, you're pretty astute, so I believe that you can answer it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask it, and then I'm going to answer for you. And I need about three people who are willing to share with the rest of us your response. Here's my question. Are you alive? I know what you're thinking. Yes, Mr. Preacher, man, I've got animation in my body, heart's pumping, brain's working. Of course I'm alive. But the question that I want to ask you is this. If you are alive then, and you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then do me a favor. Tell me one thing that's happened in your life, aside from salvation, that you are absolutely certain God did. One thing that you are absolutely certain 
that God did. I'm going to let you think for a moment. I hope that a couple of you can help us out. But, but let me testify first. I was, uh, we were in Cincinnati yesterday, and, um, and we were telling the story of one church, and uh, we talked about the differences between Matt and I, just in our context, how we grew up. And I started thinking about all of my friends in my old neighborhood. I grew up in the Russell community. And as we were on stage, sitting on the stool, I thought about the guys that I love, that I've known since elementary school. I thought about the seven friends that I lost before we turned 16. I started thinking about the multiple friends that I've witnessed go to prison. And more importantly, I got to asking God as we were on that stage, why did I make it out? Because it wasn't that I was so much better than them. And it's not that I've got, I've got one friend who, who was murdered who, man, the brother was so smart. I mean, anything that you could give to him, man, he could run it off so quickly. He was, he was brilliant, a brilliant kid. I wasn't smarter than everybody else. But I'm here, and I'm only here because of God. I'm certain that the only reason I'm standing here today it's not because I've made all the right decisions. No, man, it's, it is simply him. That's, that's one thing I'm absolutely certain. That, that's one reason why nobody can ever convince me that God does not exist because I am living proof that he does. But no, no. What about you? Does anybody, anything resident, anything, anything come to mind that you're absolutely certain? Tell me what you got. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Give me one more, Aisha. One more, one more, one more. Anybody? Huh? Okay, we got two. I'll, I'll get you, and then we'll get Gordon after you. Go ahead. All right. All right. Amen. That's it. Good. Good. All right, Gordon. Gordon, give me.
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Here, here's, here's my hope. I hope that sometime soon Matt or I will stand and ask that question, and we'll have to tell so many of you we don't have time. We don't have time for all of you to tell us about the stories about God. Like, we're just going to have to pick just a couple of you because the presence of God will be running so rampant in here, and you'll be reflecting so much and recalling his goodness. They will say, listen, we've got to record them. You know, just this worship space isn't enough. I, 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 believe, I believe the healing that we're looking for doesn't necessarily come from looking for new things. It's just thinking about what he's doing. And some of us, listen, I, I, I understand where we're from. I understand how personalities and temperaments run. But I'm trying to tell you that when the people of God wake up, when we come alive, when we recognize that we have been made alive with Christ, that's part of what's going to heal our world. And so as believers, what I've noticed is that we kind of fall into two different categories regarding this. Uh, honestly, for the most part, some of us are just simply unaware just unaware, which is essentially what we're hoping to combat with this series. We, we don't spend a lot of time with work and family and school, whatever it may be. We can go through our entire lifetime unaware of God moving in our lives, God moving in our lives. And some of us, man, it's like a theological understanding. You think that God was through with you because God has transcended. He's, he's done his good work. He's kind of, he's transcended. He's away. He's already done what he's going to do for me. So I just live off the energy that it's already done. And here's what I want to say to you. God is transcendent, but he is also imminent. He has already done it, but he's here. He's here with us. He is with us. He is keeping us each and every day. Some of us are unaware. I thought about, man, when I was in school, there was a, a poem, man, and, and I, I pick it up periodically just to look at it, uh, just to see, because sometimes we miss out. So this, the poem is called Don't Miss Out, and I love it. It says, uh, you probably heard it before, the man whispered, God speak to me, and a metal arc sang, but the man did not hear. So the man yelled, God speak to me, and then the thunder rolled across the sky, but the man did not listen. The man looked around and said, God, let me see you when a star shined brightly. But the man did not notice. And the man shouted, God, show me a miracle. And a life was born. But the man did not know. So the man cried out in despair, touch me, God, and let me know you are here. Whereupon God reached down and touched the man. But the man brushed the butterfly away and walked on. He was unaware. There are things that's happening in your life daily, I believe, where God is very present with you. You think that he's forgotten about you. You think that he's ignoring you. And I'm telling you, he is speaking. He's touching. He's walking. He's healing. God is a very present help. He is here. Some of us are unaware, but I believe the other condition is some of us are unable. Some of us are unable. Some of us, our hearts just need to be healed. We, 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 are, we are just covered. We are just so smothered by life that it seems next to impossible to even comprehend that God even loves me as we just got finished singing that God is concerned about me and so with all that we have going on in our life here's what we do here's what bad theology is we look at the trouble of the world and say God can't but you have to look at the goodness and the bigness of God and say that this world can't win we are unable because we are so smothered by life that we don't know that he's here. But there was, and is always, 
prescription for this. There was work, and there was something that Jesus did so long ago that Paul is speaking about in Ephesians 2, and that's that he made us alive with Christ. He made us alive with Christ. Our condition was that we were dead. God showed his mercy that flowed from his love and thereby allowing his power to operate the souls of each and every one of us, making us alive together with Christ. With Christ, it's important that there's recognizing in this scripture that there's a parallel in the story because he said that he made us alive with Christ. What they're saying first and foremost is this, is that recognizing that the physical body of Jesus, it was brutalized, it was killed, he died, and after three days he rose again. That's the foundation of Christianity, right? Yeah, you got to believe not only that he died, but you believe that he rose again. Paul's talking about, listen, there was a death, a physical death that happened with Jesus Christ, but Jesus rose after three days. The parallel that Paul is speaking of in verse 5 right here is that he made us alive so that when Jesus rose from the grave, we were then able to raise from our condition. We rose spiritually when he rose physically. When he defeated death, we defeated death on this earth. So I always tell you, listen, the spiritual awakening that you're desiring, the salvation that you're looking for, does not take place when you go six feet under. Your life begins now. So Paul's saying, listen, he does not say that he will make us. It's not future tense, that he will make us alive with Christ. Paul is saying that we have been made alive with Christ. And so that's past tense. It's already happened. And at some point, we got to get the ethic within us, the spiritual vitality, to understand that the work has already been done. The issue is either I am unaware of his moving or I am unable because my theology is reversed. And I look at the world and I say, God can't. When I ought to be looking at the bigness of God and say that the world can no longer win. We have been made alive with Christ. Are you alive? Have you been made alive? Do you have a spiritual vitality? Are you certain, no matter what takes place, are you certain that Christ is on the throne and because he is on the throne that you, as Romans tell us, that you sit with him, that you, you have victory with him? Think about my own conversion story, thinking about Mr. Paul's, and we appreciate him sharing. I was 10 years old. We had just moved uh, back from Cincinnati, and we started going to church, and uh, it was a little bitty old Baptist church, and, uh, and I sat on the pews with about five of my older cousins, and after church, some of you all may be unfamiliar with this, they put two chairs in front of the congregation. And, um, and a deacon who looks like he is a, um, a mortician uh, in his black suit stands behind the chairs, and you're supposed to want to go sit in that chair. I never wanted to. I was scared of the deacon. And, um, and so, but if you want to be saved, what you do is you get up, you go before the church, and you sit in one of the two chairs. Well, for some reason, on one Sunday in December of 1989, all five of my cousins left me in a pew by myself. They all went up there. I didn't know what was going on. I was 10 years old. I'm by myself. My big cousins left. They got up. I got up too. And I just walked to the front of the church and sat in one of those chairs with the funeral guy. And, um, and so we're there. And, um, and, and they gave me a clipboard. It said something about baptism. They circled it on theirs. I circled it on mine. I don't know what I was signing up for. January 7, 1990, I was baptized. I didn't even know what was going to happen. I just, they said, they took me in a room and put me on like a white sheet, and I got dunked in the pool that was buried, uh, that was dug out in the floor by the pulpit. Um, I guess I was saved. Um, 
Not sure, not sure, not sure. Fast forward maybe about 10 years, though. Uh, I'm in school in Arkansas, and, um, and I'm playing football, and, and I, I enjoyed that life. I, I really did. I, I had fun. And um, So I come home for a break, and, um, and my cousin sang in a community choir, and, um, and I, I'm I don't like choir music to this day. I didn't like it then, of course. And so we go, and, um, and they're singing, and, and it's okay. But then some eight- and nine-year-old babies got up. And I saw eight- and nine-year-old babies singing about Jesus as if they have been spending the entirety of their days at his feet. And it touched my heart so much because I was trying to figure out as a 19-year-old, why is it that I don't feel, if I've been in church since 10, why don't I feel about him the way that they do? And at that point, I recognized something's wrong with me. Because if they love him that much and they are as young as they are, why don't I? And I've been in church basically my entire life. And on that day, I committed, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to live for him. At 10 years old, I got baptized January 7th, 1990. January 8th, I went to McFerrin Elementary School, and I told my teacher and every person in my classroom that I got baptized. At 19 years old, I went back to Arkansas Pine Bluff, and I told every friend, every teammate about the fact that I had a conversion, I guess, at 10, but God converted my heart at 19. And the same God who did it for me, I wanted them to know him. Are you alive? That story still gives me life to this day. That because I, I've experienced him, I want the world to. And so when I read this, when I read Paul say, are you, are that we've been made alive with Christ, one of the first things that I thought about to ask you was this, have you ever desired to rekindle that very same flame that you had when you first came to him? Did you ever feel like, man, if I could only feel about him without, because you know what happens? The more we learn, the worse we get. Yeah. Now that you begin studying theology, you're, you're, you get the understanding words and terms a little bit better, and now you can speak a couple of things, you can read a little bit, you've got study resources. Now the skeptic in you is just reigning and ruling in your heart. And sometimes you can get a stale faith because you think, okay, well, listen, I just don't think that makes sense. Well, let me tell you something. In 19, I went back to school, and all of a sudden things made sense to me. And so in my, in my history class, we were talking about history, and I wrote something about Jesus, and he said, it doesn't make sense. And I said, well, it's like an irrational logic. And my professor said, what's, what's irrational logic? That's an oxymoron. I said, my God's too big to define. Things that don't make sense mentally, of course it don't make sense when you apply it to humanity. But when you apply it to God, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense because he's God. He does not have a beginning. He has no ending. He is God and he's God all by himself. If that's the case, we have a physical, a spiritual resurrection on the inside of us that may be lying dormant and you are dead. I think about the old movie Sixth Sense. And I think about the little boy walking around. And he asks, what's wrong with you? He says, I see dead people. And I talk to people who profess to be Christians and believers of Jesus Christ all the time. And I just want to say, are you dead or are you alive? Are you so focused on what he did or are you recognizing that he's still doing it right now? God is still moving. God is still working. And he wants you to live recalling that each 
and every day. Paul, Paul recognizes and shares our condition in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I love Paul's heart here. It reminds me of like a a really concerned pastor. And so when when I'm reading this internally, this is what it sounds like. Um, Yo, yo, I'm I'm hip-hop, so everything has a hip-hop translation. And so Paul's like, yo, 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 Mel. Have you forgotten what's taking place in your life? Have you forgotten the work that I've done for you? The old you has died and now the new you has been born. Have you forgotten? Yo, have you you forgotten about this? Guys, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that that Jesus, that that God put together a perfect plan? That when he saw our need, when he knew more than 2,000, well, when he knew at the beginning of time that you were going to be a place so desperate for life that he put together a foolproof plan to put himself in human flesh and come down to die for you, to raise up so that you can live eternally with him. Have you forgotten about that? And have you forgotten that he said that I'll give you my Holy Spirit to be with you always? The Holy Spirit is the thing that's constantly working to let you know that he is with you each and every day. Have you forgotten Paul says, listen, he's done this so that you can have a new life. And I love that. I love that. love that. New life. I, I like it because I like the original words of it. Uh, new life. It's, it's two words. It's kinotes zoe. Kinotes zoe. Uh, zoe is where we get our English name, Zoe. Uh, uh, Justin and Donna Brown have a daughter named Zoe. Every time you call her name, you are literally saying life life, which knowing her story that she's here with us today is such an appropriate name that when you look at her and you say life. But the other word I love because it's kinotes or, or another word is just kinos. And this talks about newness, newness. And so kinotes, new, zoe, life, kinotes, kinos, new. Now here's the thing. This isn't an upgrade. This isn't an upgrade. This isn't like you upgraded from the iPhone 6 to the iPhone 7. It's not an upgrade. This is like the original iPhone in 2007. You've never seen this before. This is like brand new. This is like a brand new baby. Yeah, yeah, brand, brand new. My, both my daughters are here today, thank God, and I love it. But when, when the youngest was born, it wasn't that she was an upgrade to our oldest. It was, no, that's a, that's a brand new one. They are both, they were both brand new when they were born. So it's not like it was an upgrade. It's not like it's something better. No, it's just new life. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, you've been given kind of test. I'm going to show you, God says, when I, when I do this great work, what I'm going to do through you is something that you've never experienced before. I'm not going to make a better, new, and improved you. No. I'm going to make sure that you are born again. It's new life, something that you've never seen or experienced before. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, not an upgrade, not a better version. You are brand new. So here's what we're going to do. Because I want to know about your spiritual health, your spiritual vitality. Can we do just a a brief checkup? 
Can we, can we have a spiritual health checkup for a moment? Here's, here's what Paul is saying to us. Uh, are you seeing with new eyes? Because when you see with new eyes, you are confident that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are you are you alive? Are you hearing with new ears? Are you able to open up enough to hear with your ears that brings the understanding to your heart? Are you alive? Are you speaking with, new, with a new mouth? Are the words in your mouth and the meditation of your heart, do you ensure that they are acceptable in God's sight? Are you working with new hands? Are you making sure that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that you do it unto the Lord? Are you walking with new feet? Because Jesus says, how beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel of peace are you new is newness inside of your life or is your faith so stale that you don't know if the you that's here today is the same as the you that once was what I will tell you is what God desires the reason that Jesus died is so that you would live with spiritual vitality and vigor in your body that it does not matter what takes place in your life it does not matter about the conditions you know that the Lord is here and he's going to make sure that you see goodness in the land of the living are you alive <laughs> and uh, let me be honest with you I am more concerned about that than I am about what happened on Tuesday I am more concerned about the spiritual vitality of us than I am with Donald being in the house, had it been Hillary in the house, I don't care what, I am more concerned about our spiritual health than I am about any presidential election. That's what burdens my heart. That's what keeps me awake at night. Are you alive? Do you recognize that you're a new creation? Because when you do, it does not matter who sits on the White House because you know who lives and sits on the throne. I could care less about Tuesday. Now here's the reality. Does my heart hurt because people that I know are burdened and living in anxiety because of the results? Yeah, I'm, I'm broken because of people that I love. Am I concerned about policy and all those things? I, in all honesty, yeah, as a man of color, I'm concerned about how, how, how cancerous our culture has become towards race relations. Absolutely, that burdens me. That's part of our mission here. But more important, what I'm concerned is that we don't defeat that through policy. We defeat that when the church becomes a church and the church recognizes that it does not matter who sits in the Oval Office. It matters who sits on the throne in your heart. I'm more concerned about us recognizing that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus than I am about who the new person sitting in the White House. And the church that I love, the church that we are trying to model, has modeled for us that it does not matter about political leanings. It does not matter whether it is a donkey or an elephant. It matters about the lamb. The church that we love has taught us that none of those things are really important because historically, they've got a lot to say on this subject. Can I give you a quick history lesson? I'll sit down. Um, um, the early church, Jesus has now ascended unto heaven. 
And here's what happens. Here's what happened. The emperor Claudius launched a persecution on the early church. Christians were cast out of Rome and they were scattered about. Listen, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council had basically declared war on the Christians, on the followers of the way, as they were called at that time. It was rough, man. They gathered in fear. You couldn't even say that you was a follower of Jesus. So whenever you see the fish that has become the symbol of Christianity, that's just basically because I couldn't say it. So to be safe, let me just draw a half of it. And if you are a believer, you do the other half. And that's how we know that we are both believers. It was a tough time. Listen, there was no money. They were unimportant people in an unimportant occupied land. They had no help. They had no support. The government did not care. Nevertheless, support what they were doing. Nevertheless, on one day, Peter shared the gospel with peoples out in the courtyard. And in the midst of all of that struggle, 3,000 people came to Christ on that day. On one day, Peter and another friend was walking into the temple, and there was a lame man who had never walked since birth. And Peter says, listen, I don't have any money to give you, brother. What I can give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk, and healing will take place. On, on, on those days, the widows were taken care of. And on those days, the orphans were taken care of. And on those days, people were given sight to the blind, and they were given activity of those limbs. On those days the Lord was moving. On those days there was a spiritual vitality that was taking place in the church that it did not matter who was sitting on the emperor's throne. They were sure that Jesus was sitting on his throne and the church was the church and God was God and all was well. I ain't concerned about Tuesday. What I'm concerned about is Sunday. If we gather up in this place Recognizing who our God is. Recognizing that we have a reason to live. So let me tell you something. Broke, busting, and disgusted. Depressed, anxiety, pain, no matter what it may be, God lives. And because he lives, you can live. Because he lives, you can get up because he lives you can live because he got up you can raise up from all your pain from all your pressure from all the struggle from all the disease you can get up because God did and here's why here's why Here's why I believe that the early church was so successful. Because when you read in Acts chapter 2, you'll see that they gathered daily. And you want to know what they did daily? <laughs> they reflected on the goodness of Jesus Christ. And when they reflected on that, none of their outside issues mattered. None of the problems in their own heart, it didn't matter anymore because he was bigger than that. God is bigger than this. He's so big. We used to sing it as a kid. Why don't we believe it now that he holds the world in the palm of his hands? God's, God's big. He's bigger than this. So I want to give you some homework because I, I don't want this just to be something that feels good for you in a moment. Because yesterday what I did is thinking about you guys and thinking about my own story, 
I started, my wife knows, I don't journal. I, I have a journal that I use for notes. I'm a note taker, not a journaler. Uh, but I started a section in my journal, and I called it the Reflection Collection. And what I'm going to do every day is I'm going to look for a reason to celebrate Jesus. Every day, I'm going to find something to say if it had not been for the Lord on my side. So this is what I want you to do. You got this program when you came in. It's got a section down there for notes or however you want, wherever you want to put it at. And this next week, let's reflect on him. After worship, tomorrow when you wake up, when you get to work, look for him in your life. And I promise you, if you look for him, you'll find him. I know you think that he's there. I know that you think that he's been absent, but I promise you, if you look for him, you will find him. You will find, he's there, I'm telling you. He's been there the entire time. Some of you are going to say, I didn't know. I didn't know you were there. And you'll praise him because of it. I mean, I heard testimonies from people as we got in the church today about things that I'm certain, man, had it not been for the Lord, that would not have happened. So can we commit to that? Can we come in next week? And can we lift our voices so high to him? Because we know that he is present. And I promise you this. In two weeks, in two weeks, we are filling up the baptism pool. Because we expect a harvest. And I promise you that happens when we do our work this week. Because when you recognize how good he is, just like my 10-year-old self who didn't even comprehend what was taking place, you get a case of the old folk used to say that I can't help it. I can't help but to tell you about what's happening. And when people hear, people are going to want to know as we read, how can I have that? And you can tell them about the Jesus who doesn't want to upgrade them, but who wants to make a new them. And I promise you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God is going to reveal in this season. So we are we're going to pause and, and we're going to we're going to celebrate the reason why we have new life. We have it because Jesus, aware of what was coming forth, he put together this thing that's called the new covenant. And it's no longer about putting the burden of newness on our shoulders. But when he died on Calvary's cross, Here's the beautiful story. He died for what you did, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. He covered it all. 
So we are going to collide at the table. And when you rip off a chunk of bread, recognize that that symbolizes his broken body that was broken for you. He was thinking about, not us, it's personal. He was thinking about you. And the cup, the cup represents his blood that was shed. Not for us, but for, for me, for you, it's personal. If that's the case, don't worry about who's behind you. Don't worry about who's beside you. Because if they're worried about the line moving, they ain't thinking about God's goodness. Let's collide at the table. And as a family this morning, let us reflect, let us recall that he is the God of the living together. But also, here's the thing. Maybe you're here. So I want to be very clear, so hear me. If you're here, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or if you just need prayer, then to the door, my left, we have Brian and Annie there. And over here, we have Matt. You can go and see either of them, and they will pray with you and counsel you. They are there for you as well. So I'm going to pray. And after the conclusion of the prayer, let us please. God, thank you. Because we are alive and we have new life, and the only reason that that is so is because of you. So speak to us, Jesus. Move through us, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your work. And thank you that you were thinking about us when you did so. Now, God, may we, may we all develop a deep ethic of recalling what you did for us. And may it overwhelm us that you are a good, good father. That's who you are. And God, that we have life because we are loved by you. We love you. And it's in your name that we do humbly pray. Let everyone say amen. Amen. Please, let's meet at the table. Prayer as well.